Welcome to Screw It, we're just going to talk about comics, and I am talking about comic books. I am one of your hosts, Kevin Hines, alongside my brother, Will Hines. That's me, who sounds similar, but not completely identical. You can handle it. Uh, We are two brothers who perform and teach at the UCB theaters and grew up reading comic books and now record a podcast talking about those comic books that meant so much to us as children slash young adults slash old adults. Yes. And uh, we are talking about the Fantastic Four. That's what we've been doing this whole season. We have undertaken a gargantuan task of analyzing the original run by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, the original writer and artist. Uh, They're co-writers. So 103 issues plus six annuals. 102. Um, Just 102. 102. Not 103. I was thinking 103. Oh, yeah. 102? Oh, that's a breeze. I thought it was 103. Yes. It's far too many issues, which has made Will want to never do cover more than like three issue runs of anything ever again yes once we're through Uh, this we will be doing maximum two issues at a time uh well i like uh i like doing decent sized runs 102 maybe is more than decent size though (laughs) yeah but it's been fun i love the fantastic four and we really enjoyed talking about it and today we're going to be going over issues starting with issue number 68 and we're basically going to see how far we go yeah i think we're going to try to get to at least 77 but we'll, we'll see what happens maybe we'll go further maybe we won't go quite as far and we're in a we're in a ru- p- place in the original run now where the issues are kind of bad. Like, we went through a phase of some of our favorite superhero comics of all time, and on either side of that were some very very good adventure stories. And we are going to run through now what, g- given the high standard of Jack Kirby, are some pretty boring stories. Yeah, it's sort of like um, the sort of like later James Bond movies, but like kind of the near end of Roger Moore's run, where you're sort of like, man, these are stupid and. All the pieces are there, but it just feels like you've done all the fun stuff already. The art still looks, be... yeah. The art still looks good. The Fantastic Four are still fun. The characterizations are in place as good as they're going to be. But yeah, and, uh, Jack's like running on autopilot or something. He he's not giving it his all anymore. At least in terms of creating new characters, he's not. Maybe if these were your first issues, they'd feel really cool. If you hadn't just read all the stuff that had come before it, yeah. they might really hold up because they look beautiful and. The ideas are still really cool, even if they sort of feel retreaded from earlier. Yeah. But the pacing is also a little bit off, so it's not just that. Like, it's also just, like, a little slower, I guess. We're reaching a point where Jack Kirby ends up leaving Marvel Comics. Like, he ends up getting fed up and leaving Marvel, the company that he basically, more than any other person, made into a huge success. And now he's getting ready to leave and go to DC. Not, not quite yet, but we're yeah. going. He's heading into a phase of his career where he's already fed up with Marvel and DC Comics, the rival company, snatches him. So what we're, I think we're probably seeing a guy who's like sick of giving his all. He's like, you know what? You're not. I'm not going to give you any more of these great characters. He's got maybe two and a half years left before he leaves Marvel, something in that range. Yeah. And also, I mean, he's just came off an incredible run, so he might just also be spent a little bit. He might sure. just need to recharge. I mean, he's doing this book and every other Marvel book. Yes. Except for Spider-Man and right. maybe a couple others. But he's doing so much where he's breaking down titles and he's doing Thor and he's doing this. Yeah. It's a lot. And it might just be... He might just be tired. I just didn't have time to come up with a whole nother civilization for this book. Right. And which given that 
well then this these stories suddenly look pretty good because they're they're still fun to read yeah if this was all jack kirby and stan were doing i'd be more disappointed i guess because I've, I've tried to read the fantastic four stories that come after jack kirby leaves and i get so bored i can't even finish them that's not true of the and i also think after this i mean we're talking about getting through maybe issue 77 there is like a slight stretch where they become readable uh, the pacing gets better even though the stories still feel a little stretched out like storylines still go longer than they need to but the individual issues just read faster yeah, he kicks it up a notch after this batch again. But uh, so um, even when he's on his way out, they still read good. I don't know. He can't, I wish I was this good when I didn't care. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, he can't help but do a fun story. He just gets too excited about it. And, of course, you know, Stan Lee, who gets too much credit from the mainstream press, but not enough credit from your indie comics darlings, is also a huge part of it. His dialogue's really fun. He is a smart and interesting and truly funny man, and that sensibility is still in here. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to just bring up, I just read this, they, they had a Stan Lee panel at the re- recent New York Comic Con, Okay. and I read an article about it, and I think it was Danny Fingeroth who said this, but it might have been somebody else at this panel, who like talked to Stan about his editing. Yes. And just like talked about how like, oh, you really got a lot out of, and he's not talking about Kirby and Ditko here, but you got a lot out of some of these journeyman artists. Yeah. You're Don Hex and, and, and the like. And Stan was like, oh, I wasn't that good an editor, really. I just wrote everything. And I think what Stan might have meant was just like, it's easy to edit everything when you are also re- controlling everything. You're not just sitting back and motivating people. You're giving them the issue. You're working directly with them on the issue. And I think that's an interesting way of like looking at it, even his editing, where it's just like, he just was good at working with people. Maybe he wasn't a great boss, but uh, he was I th- like, I think he understood, like that back and forth. he understood what made a good story. He knew like what components meant that you had enough to make a good issue and whether you had a twist or not he was if it just if he was if he was given the proper amount of credit that would still be a tremendous amount of credit it just wasn't as much as he gave himself or and, and allowed even, people to give to him and even after he said that uh, this person he was talking to who again i'm going to possibly wrongly attribute to danny finger was like i don't know you is like i worked with these people and they were just give me the paycheck let me just do the work and i'll get out they were excited to do the stories with you there's something about what you did at that time you made them excited, at least for a little while. Oh, that's interesting. And I don't know how true any of that is, but it sounds cool. I mean, Stan's very funny and fun, and there's an aspect of 60s Marvel comics where they're not following the rules, and they're being a little reckless and crazy. Maybe that's infectious. You know, maybe there's like, hey, at Marvel in the 60s, we're not going to be micromanaged, and we can we can have some fun. And maybe even if you're not making Fantastic Four and Amazing Spider-Man, if you're making Iron Man next to it, yeah. you're still like, I'm part of the game. You're part of a... a a company that's got a trajectory upwards in a big way. I'm part of the next Walt Disney cartoons. Even being the Ringo star of the Beatles still feels pretty good, I guess. Kevin, you used a Beatles metaphor. Yeah, I did that so you would understand what I was saying. It seemed like you were confused. I was so excited. <laughs> Let's wrap it up. <laughs> All right. that's, a, that's a, We're not going to cover, I guess, any issues. <laughs> um, should we get into it? We should. Uh, one more thing before we start. Okay. Uh, we're going to cover issue 68 first. Mm-hmm. And this is the same month that the Inhumans began a backup story that ran in Thor for like six months. Oh, wow. So they're like, it's Thor and the backup story is the Inhumans. Yeah. So uh, this is like, I think the beginning of them trying to mine the FF for other books because uh, soon there'll be a, a Namor series uh, Silver Surfer's coming because we're getting close to the period where Marvel is allowed to have more than eight titles. Oh, okay. And so everything's about to break open. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, um, this, is, this is like where Marvel really starts making uh, a lot of comics and the quality goes down a little bit. Okay, yeah. Uh, issue 68. The title is 
His mission, destroy the Fantastic Four. How not specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It also says at the bottom, featuring Mighty Marvel's mystery villain of the month, which I think is Stan's way of saying, uh, we got a no-name villain coming up, folks. But they don't. It's just a villain they don't reveal in this issue. Oh, okay. It turns out to be the Mad Thinker, who has got it all scheduled just right. That's his ability, the most OCD... You know, his his, mag- his superpower is Google Calendar. That's right. If I'm just scanning through the issue, it still looks so good. Like, the Fantastic Four just looks so weird. There's, like, shots of Ben Grimm putting on a suit that look rad, and there's crazy machines, and there's a bad guy who just uh, has crazy facial hair and smokes a good cigarette. Um, yeah, this is also the issue where a suit changes her costume temporarily to, like, this mini skirt version. Yes, If you're not going to have a good character, at least be an objectified one. Maybe that's a step up. I mean, it's a cool looking skirt. I mean, it's a cool design for the the skirt version. Uh, I guess going from pants to miniskirt is a step down, uh, maybe for uh, making her an equal of the team. Uh, It's a step way above the late 90s bikini she used to wear that was atrocious. This Uh, is kind of, I I mean, it's kind of 60s cool. Like, I I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It looks a little, it looks... To my totally unqualified eyes as a very mod <laughs> squirts. Yeah, it reminds me of sort of like a Peter Sellers movie or something or like, you know, Bridget Bardot or um, Twiggy or something. I don't know, it looks it looks uh, rad. This is cool art here. We got Johnny in a hot rod uh, at some point showing off to his college buds. Yeah, in front of Crystal, his elemental wielding girlfriend from the Inhuman race. Crystal looks cool. Like, I wish they treated Sue as well as they do Crystal, uh, which really? is still... Still not that great, but... They treat Crystal well. Uh, it'll be a little... So this is the beginning of a stretch where, like, Sue gets more and more uh, set aside. Like, she ends up being bedridden pretty soon. Theoretically, Crystal replaces her, but then Crystal spends most of her time on the team just taking care of Sue. I mean, even in these this storyline we're about to go through, Crystal doesn't really fight any supervillains. It's such a waste. If I had a girlfriend with superpowers yeah. and I am uh, fighting a supervillain... I'm inviting her along. What what happens in this story? Like, Ben Grimm gets, like, lured into a machine or something? Yes. Ben Grimm gets lured uh, by a guy who has figured out some way to remove radiation. Uh, and this guy is actually, I think, the thinker in disguise. Uh, and this guy uses this radiation to, at first, I guess, hypnotize Ben, right? Okay. It's, a, it's another hypnosis story. It's been a while. We used to have them, like, every other issue. Oh, I, this guy claims he can cure Ben. That's what it is. Yeah. He's not trying to cure Ben. He just claims he can. But really what he's doing is once again turning ben into a mindless it's you know it's the same storyline that happened with the frightful four but this time it's the thinker doing it and he's basically trained ben Grimm into attacking reed richards um at least this guy has cool devices like in order to treat ben he puts him in a big giant jar full of green crackle yeah that's right uh he's like on some sort of weird uh almost a uh, cross-like system at the end. Yeah, um, then he's basically looks like he's being crucified on a Kirby machine, which is, uh, hey, that's fun. Um, the next issue, 69, has a cover with Ben, almost like King Kong on top of a building being attacked by Johnny and Reed. Um, I guess it's a trope they go to more than once, but uh, Ben versus the Fantastic Four is pretty rad. It is. I'm surprised they don't do more of the other guys doing this. Yeah. Like, why have they never done Johnny or Sue or Reed? Well, they don't like Sue. That's why I haven't done her, but what? Why not Johnny or Reed? Imagine Reed versus them. We've talked about Reed as a supervillain before. Yes. If he somehow got hypnotized and yeah, had his... to attack the FF, how do they take him down? They're not smart enough. That'd be great. That'd be fun. And also, uh, at this point in the FF's history, if it was Sue versus them and she like just wiped the floor with them, 
would be kind of fun, you know? It'd be a huge. It'd be huge. Like if she just kept Ben off balance and suffocated her brother and then just like pushed Reed off buildings all the time. <laughs> um, turned things invisible so they were confused. I mean, it would be it, it'd be a good uh, redemption arc for the character. Yeah. Make them stand up and notice how cool she. Should we just uh, sk- anyway. skip ahead to yeah. 69? Yeah. So in issue 69. Which is continuing this story. Now we have angry Ben hypnotized by mystery villain against the Fantastic Four. Yeah. The, t- the point, title of the story. I'm going to is- talk about fashion mostly. Okay. Uh, at this point now, Sue's wearing leggings with her miniskirt. I don't know if that was a Jack Kirby decision or just a, a, a post coloring decision. I sort of think the latter. I think it was that's yeah. too much skin. Put her in leggings, but yeah, it looks it sure. looks like these legs are meant to be human color, and they've been colored in blue. Yeah, the story is called "By Ben Betrayed." So we find out that the mystery villain who's done all this is the Mad Thinker, the Super Scheduler, the OCD guy whose main ability is planning things down to the minute. But when he's in his disguise, he looks like. Uh, Kind of like Kirby has like a generic villain look, which is like square head, intense hairline. I wonder if he was intimidated by all of Steve Ditko's crazy hair on the Spider-Man comics. And he's like, I'll show you hair. And he starts throwing tons of hair on his villains because his his hairline goes down to like halfway down his forehead. I would love the idea of Kirby like reading a Ditko book and being jealous or even uh, encouraged to do more. Don't believe it's true. I don't believe it's true either. <laughs> I think he saw Ditko as a, I mean, Ditko was younger than Kirby and had less yeah. experience. And Kirby, uh, you know, pr- rightly saw himself as senior to Ditko, even though Ditko's Spider-Man comic is maybe the best comic of all time. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think Kirby would look at Ditko stuff and be like, oh, that's pretty good. Right, right, right. Yeah, that kid's doing all right. I would do a better Spider-Man, though. That guy would be punching people. Well, Kirby was the original artist on Spider-Man, pages yeah. that were never used, and he had his own plan for the character, and so he always felt a tiny bit of ownership over it. Maybe the... Uh, I don't know. I guess I just don't... I can't. He, he lost ownership on so many things that he deserved. I guess it's understandable, but doing a version of Spider-Man they didn't use feels... I, it's, it's human like nature stretch. also to just try to get your credit for when you're involved in a phenomenon. Just like, hey, you know, I I was in the room when that happened. You know, I, I was the guy that gave Ringo his drumsticks or whatever. Like, I don't. I, I've used my one Beatles reference. You okay, have to change I, that I don't mean to push it too far. But um, anyway, the Mad Thinker uh, in his disguise has crazy hair. Oh, but then his normal hair is also nuts. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, Mad Thinker. His normal hair is this wild, like a lion's mane. He has like a lion's mane. Um, so he reveals himself at one point. The FF are trying to fight Ben. But they also want to save him, right? They don't want to hurt him, but they have to subdue him. That's right. Which is, that's hard to do. To knock him out without uh, just killing him must be really tough. Uh, Bottom of page 10 is a fun shot of Reed fully extending himself like a huge manta ray and sailing over New York City. Uh, Jack Kirby's always got great visual ways of the FF using their powers. Like, if you just glance through a Kirby FF story, it looks great. (laughs) A probably not true thing is that I feel like when I read modern FF comics, like in the last 15, 20 years... Like, Reed doesn't do anything as fun with his stretching anymore. Yeah. Um, but back in these comics, every now and then he'd turn into a wheel or something. I think the the, the bar is being raised by Plastic Man. Uh, I mean, yeah. I know Plastic Man is done by now, probably, or whatever. But when Plastic Man was happening, oh, I should know the name of that artist. But that was the most creative and silly and sort of almost clown-like use of a rubber man. Isn't it Cole? Uh, yes. Um, Plastic Man art is tremendous. Uh, and I feel like that sets this, st- you know, of your rubber man, your rubber person characters. Sure. Plastic Man is the high watermark of inventive uses. But Kirby does pretty good with Mr. Fantastic. Jack Cole 
Uh, I looked up the first name uh, just so you, I knew yeah. it. Uh, yeah, Plastic Man is probably the the main stretchy dude, and Elongated Man is probably a distant third. Yeah, you got Plastic Man first, Mister Fantastic second, Elongated Man third. Anybody, anybody else after that? Nobody else matters much after that. And when it comes to just pure stretching, Super Scroll, uh, maybe number four. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure there's other guys. Uh, that have that same ability. Even Metamorpho sort of is a stretcher, but he's got so much more going on. Yeah. Is generally what happens. Even Miss Marvel nowadays kind of has some limited stretching abilities, but it's she's different than that. Yeah. Not to, not a pure rubber dude. Um, that's right. So Ben is still against the FF at the end of this. Yeah, and that's, I think, where we're sort of saying, like, the pacing even feels off. It's like, this doesn't even really evolve This much. story should be done, yeah, and nothing's kind of happening. Or at least the next thing should have happened. This is just a big fight scene, and Sue's not involved, and Crystal's not involved, yeah. and I have a big problem with that. Yeah, me too. And like, yeah, it, it, at the peak FF, some other villain would have emerged halfway through this to be sort of taking over the pace. Yeah, the closest thing that, to a change in this is that the Mad Thinker discovers the portal to the negative zone. Which we're now calling the negative zone. It's no longer yeah, subspace. Richards has found the entrance to subspace. This is on the bottom of page 17, Will. Okay, He's yeah. discovered the dreaded negative zone itself so that might be where it's first named that yeah it might be um if, or if it wasn't it was very recently yeah uh, i can't it's... remember what we said last issue i can't but remember I think this might be the first time it's called that so maybe the mad thinker deserves some cred for naming the negative i'm turning around on this guy uh he's good at <laughs> he's planning so... and he's good at naming things yeah good for him mad maybe Thinker's he's a great my name. favorite character ever yeah <laughs> i don't know why he doesn't spin off into his own book let's do it now uh, great issue so issue one Mad Thinker has a spreadsheet in front of him and a calendar to the left. Um, he gets Google Calendar implanted into his brain. So when he plans to the second, he can do it with his brain. It gets uploaded to the cloud immediately. Yeah, which makes him uh, just a little faster than people with iPhones. Uh, he dies a white streak down the middle of his head because it's just not weird enough. Yeah, and his he first has to his his main adversary is a guy who's just very disorganized. Yeah, uh, and it and it sort of just drives him crazy. He mostly wants to defeat him to show how important disorganization is. But that it's, guy is just sort of a natural talent. It's a shaggy from Scooby Doo. It's like a it's like yeah. a hippie who's just like zoinks. And he's like, "Why are you successful? You didn't plan out anything. You got sandwiches piled everywhere." Um, all right, issue seventy. When fall the mighty. Yes. Um, we have some mad thinker androids. And yeah. We- so so Reed and Johnny Johnny and his civvies have invaded the mad thinker's base. And there's an android waiting for them. Uh, who has a display on his chest that says, warning, enemy approaching. Yeah, there's actually, a, I guess, a, maybe a bunch of androids. It's unclear to me. Uh, there's a great Stan Lee word on the splash page uh, down in the credits box. It's time for another standing ovation for Smiling Stan Lee and Jolly Jack Kirby. And then underneath that is a word I cannot say, which says, who have given us... Tintinabulating? Yeah. Who have given us another tintinabulating thriller. I've never seen that word before, and I love it. I love Stan's theatrics with words. I'm going to Google that word right now while we're talking. Uh, we got a, also see- a great just uh, read in the background, but stretching his hand into the foreground. So it's like a Jack Kirby big hand reaching uh. out toward the reader, which is classic Kirby. Uh, tintinabulation, a ringing or tinkling sound. Okay, so it's like tinnitus. Uh, I love it. So yeah, this this thriller is ringing with thrills. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, Johnny in his civvies turning into the Human Torch. It looks great, man. When I was a kid, I love I love Human Torch in regular clothes with the little flames starting to come out. I mean, I think you said it in the past, and I sort of agree. 
uh, almost entirely that the FF are more fun when they're in their civil civvy clothes fighting. Uh, even Reed stretching in his lab coat. There's something cool about that. I love when they're all in suits. Give me the give me '60s suits for the Fantastic Four. You know, let them strutting around looking like uh, flashback Austin Powers. Uh, page three. Uh, panel three. Yeah. Uh, this is not, this is just for Will, not for anyone listening to the podcast. You can just skip this part. Yes. I like that. I like that panel. Oh, just the, the close up of the mad thinker looking worried. <laughs> just standing around the corner, clenching his teeth. I don't know. There's something really fun about that. Uh, I love it. Um, you know, Jack Kirby comics, most of the time, everybody's experiencing their emotion to the fullest degree possible. There's no uh, half emotions in a Fantastic Four. Yeah. We then cut to uh, the thing reading a newspaper on the street corner. He's reading the Bugle, which is delighting in his rampage. They love the heel. They wrong. love the heel turn. They love crapping yeah. on super powered things. Uh, and then thing gets mad that no cabs are stopping for him. And he starts wrecking car. You know he's standing up for the under. You know you won't. Not getting a cab is a, a iconic thing to happen to the to minorities to those who are ignored to the disenfranchised. Thing is standing up for all of them. Cops are going after the thing. Oh man, I would not want to be the cops going after the thing. No. Uh, Kirby cops are sort of like uh, Ditko cops, though. They're heroes. Yeah, Kirby cops, they have not a shred of uh, evil in them or badness even. They're full of integrity and duty, and they're doing their best. They they dive in with full bravery. New York's finest. Yeah, and this sort of, it's almost a step back to the, uh, if this was a cooler, if this was like like an Alan Moore comic, this would be revisiting the original thing from like the early eight issues where he would sort of wreck cars and, and fight people just out of temper reasons. I like Crystal's outfit. Sure, that's her civil civvy clothes, which are not that far removed from her costume. Yeah, she looks great. Uh, but again, I, she's been regulated to like taking care of her boyfriend's sister. Yeah, no good. She can control the weather. Get her in the fight. Yeah, bench Johnny and bring Crystal in. Yeah, controlling the weather is it's good, right? I mean, that's a good power. Honestly, leave Reed at home. He can just, like, microphone in. Like, he can just have, like, a headset talking be, to everybody. He'd be better Send at home Sue, with his... Crystal, and Johnny in. They'll take down the thing in no time. Oh, yeah, it'd be easy. Hit Fl- the thing with a hurricane. Hit him with a lightning bolt, you know? Or, like, <laughs> just flood him and then, like, get him in a force shield. Somehow the Mad Thinker ends up in a fist fight with uh, Mr. Fantastic, which seems like a waste of both of their power. Yeah, I mean, Reed loves to punch people. He's good at it. I guess. He, just, he likes to show how manly he is. Well, a lifetime of being a nerd makes him want to show off his uh, brute side when he gets a chance. Yeah, I mean, he was so spindly in issue one that now he's muscly, I guess, he wants to use it. Um, just when they subdue the Mad Thinker, the Ben reemerges, who is still hypnotizing to being evil. So he's their main villain. Um, I don't know if it's Kirby being lazy, but these big splash pages that show up in the middle of the issue always look kind of great. On page 19, there's the Mad Thinker android punching a telephone pole heading to the Baxter building, and it looks rad. Yeah, that does. That splash page in particular does feel like it's meant to be like a quarter page panel. But they just like, yeah, fill up the whole page with it. Um, and there's there's fewer of the, uh, I guess maybe, I don't know if there's fewer. Maybe he's just, I, my favorite panels I've realized in running the Instagram account, Screw It Comics, is these sort of wide panels, these sort of two panel wide shots. Yeah. Like the one on top of page 15. Yes. Looks so great. Yes. Um, it's hard. Some about those I think brings out the best in Kirby. Sort of basically, it's just like a widescreen look at what he's normally doing. Uh, they're so beautiful. It's a cinemascope, the cinemascope Kirby. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like more Frank, Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen would do a lot of those in the Daredevil run. You know, you'd have those panels that just go all the way across the page. 
Yeah, there's something about Kirby where he's got he's got like a lot of six panel pages, and then when those show up, there's like the impact of a splash page without wasting a whole page of uh for one moment. Yeah. It also I think helps with these sort of team action shots, getting more characters in. Um I don't know. I think they're beautiful and I've been love I've been tempted to post all of them on Screw It Comics every time I come across one. The art is just still so good in this book. It's shortly after, like maybe like a year's worth of comics, when I say shortly, yeah, he starts doing a lot of like four panel pages, and that's when he's really, I think, phoning it in. Still doing four beautiful panels, but I like I think I read six. somewhere that like his the printer required him to use smaller, uh, to draw on smaller pages. Oh, that might be true. And um, he didn't like that, and it made him draw fewer panels because because they kind of weren't blown up as much from you know what i mean like he wasn't drawing on as as much paper yeah there wasn't a technology probably to like um uh like reduce stuff and and blow it up or whatever like to draw really big and have it shrunk down or whatever yeah so uh you know they're probably still using technology that's mostly designed for magazines and just adapting it to comics so i don't know uh this ends in sort of a cliffhanger ben is subdued by reed but maybe accidentally killed reed in an attempt to seduce thing is maybe accidentally killed him and the mad thinkers green android has arrived on the scene right as ben is possibly killed and the johnny torch and reed are both uh knocked unconscious so it's like just sue and the android yeah i don't think that play pays off but it doesn't pay off but it looks like it was meant to be a big deal yeah um that's a i mean that's a cool cliffhanger sue versus the android yeah you know and like how's she gonna take down this thing that's they've been that's been keeping them all on edge this whole time? So um, yeah, but it's drawn in this little panel as an afterthought. I don't know. It doesn't land. Um, issue. I, I Jack Kirby's done. He's finished. He's bad. I'm better than him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone says that. Well, you're better than uh, pre New Gods Jack Kirby comics. Yeah, and people make that specification. People on the street are that familiar with Jack Kirby's career where they say pre New Gods Kirby. Will Hines They're is like, better. Post Galactus pre New Gods. I'd rather have Will Hines draw my comic. Yeah, people on the street are very involved in their Jack Kirby knowledge. Um, issue seventy one. Generally, my response is: Look, you're just blocking the entrance to this escalator. If you could just. Yeah, like, I got another thought about Will Hines versus Jack Kirby. Right, I think Will could have done a better commandy. You walk into Macy's and there's these people. You're trying to buy a suit. You're trying to get on the escalator at the 34th Street Macy's, and some guy walks up to you. I'll tell you another thing about Will Hines. I think he's better than the Eternals era Jack Kirby. <laughs> Ooh, I love the Eternals. Um, <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Well, I love the art. I think the the character design of those guys is rad. I can't really I've remember never... much about the stories. I've never read a single Eternals comic. They were like when I was eight or nine, the Eternals showed up. So I was like buying them at 7-Eleven and just sort of yeah. mouth agape at the cool look. But I don't remember much about the stories. Uh, all right. Issue 71. Continuing. Let's get more. into it. Uh, it's another uh, lazy cover, which looks like just four panels from inside sort of composited mm-hmm. into the cover. This would happen uh, on Steve Ditko's Spider-Man issues when Ditko was getting toward the end of his run. Uh, yeah, though this seems like it's original art for the cover. Um, it looks weird. Um, I'm going to keep my eye out as we're flipping through. Um, it's The title just says Sizzling Big Action Issue, which I guess means it's going to be fights, fights, fights. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it just feels weird. Like, nothing has... This story has moved glacially, even, like, compared to, like, the Frightful Four, where they would just 
fight and lose to the FF every issue. Yeah. This just feels like it's been one fight. Which uh, could be fun. Sometimes that's really fun. I, I found it not so fun. Uh, but we open on Sue is the only FF member conscious. Reed, Ben, and Johnny are passed out, maybe dead, and the android has invaded the Baxter building, and it's only Sue, which actually I love. Um, but uh, So I wonder if it's going to pay off. Uh, Kevin, page two, um, there's a caption that says, Instant Summary Department. Yeah. That's a Mad Magazine thing, right? The, 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 use, the overuse of department is yeah. for sure. Um, and which, you know, Matt has been out for several years now. Uh, I just love Mad Magazine and how it just was like ubiquitous and influenced everything. Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm, everything would be brought from like a different department as if this magazine had a very specific department just for this specific, uh, feature. I bet you Stanley loved Mad Magazine. I bet you he was like, I could do a good Mad. I would I do mean, Mad. Did, they, didn't they have their version yeah. Uh, uh, not Brand X or, or Crazy or X. one of those things. Crazy was later, but they did have Crazy. Um, I think everyone thought they could do Mad. And uh, nobody could, actually, except for Harvey Kurtzman. Not even Mad could do it eventually. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's a whole other story. Mad was great. There was the original Mad and then mainstream fixture Mad, both of which were great, but they were very different. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm more familiar with mainstream uh, Don Martin, yeah, uh, era Mad, uh, which I which I adore. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have Android versus Sue. So she turns invisible. She, she's using gadgets. Uh, I wish she uh, really clobbered him. Yeah, I wish she used her powers more than just invisibility and hiding. It seems like that's mostly what she's doing. Uh, and then, like, the thing kind of wakes up and starts helping her fight. Uh, and the thing basically takes out the android, knocks him out of the building. Which means that it worked. The thing that Reed blasted Ben with worked and snapped him out of it. Uh, yeah. And then Ben picks up Sue because Sue gets knocked out in this battle. So Ben tries to wake her up and Reed assumes Ben is still evil and, and attacks the thing. So they still of, fight for a couple more pages. Um, that's kind of fun. And then they realize that they're all on the right side. So it's just them versus the android. Yeah, unfortunately, the android not defeated. Ben knocked it out of the building, but the android flies back up to fight them some more. Page 11, we got cool Johnny in civvies turning into the human torch shot. I love it. Uh, yeah, he's staying in civvies this whole fight. That's good continuity. Top Kirby. of page 14, we have what begins a terrible trend in the FF is Reed angrily ordering Sue to stay out of the battle. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Because she's she is. They do know she's pregnant now, so there's at least some reason behind it but it's so angry it's so vehement uh it just it comes off as just so uh, i don't know poorly toned if nothing else uh somehow uh reed throws the android into the negative zone yeah that's how they they can't defeat this guy so they trick him into going into the negative zone portal which as we've seen in the past is basically just like a thing that gets sucked into an antimatter earth and everything explodes it's where Blastar is from. Yep. Annihilus eventually is from there. Yeah, we'll meet Annihilus later on. Um, looks pretty uh, great. And lots of, lots ends. of Yeah. Sorry, go. No, you got it. No, what are you going to say? Uh, just lots of crackle in this issue. <laughs> I'm glad I let you say that. <laughs> uh, and then this issue ends with Reed breaking up the Fantastic Four. Yep, too dangerous. Sue's pregnant. They're out. Which, uh, you know what? Yep. I like both of them leaving. That makes more sense to me. Yeah, if Reed stayed in, it feels stupid. Now, mind you, Reed does stay in. Yeah. 
by next issue, he goes back on his words. Um, so that's the end of kind of a, a little arc there, uh, the, yeah. mad, the Mad Thinker arc. And I um, have read it, and I, f- I forget about it, and I will forget about it after we are done recording this podcast. It's not uh, awful. It's just not uh, anything – I don't know. It's not anything great. It's weird to crap on it. It's still incredible comics. It's just um, – yeah. it's journeyman compared to the high watermark of recent times in the FF. It's like watching a LeBron game and being like, oh, yeah, he had a good game. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, his he's good. good. Game, his good game led the team and it was the best game of the night, but yeah. I've seen better. Right. <laughs> um, uh, I think this is a good time to take our break, Will Hines. All right. Let us take a break. And ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, I swear to you, we will be right back. Uh, This is Will and Kevin from Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. And hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, maybe try listening to our first season. Yeah, maybe. We started this podcast by doing a whole season, 50 episodes, all about Spider-Man comics. We even did it under a different name. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. And we did one episode for each issue of the original comic book run. That was done by Spidey's creators, Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Plus, we spent time talking about the Spider-Man movies, the recent video game, one on Steve Ditko, one on Stan Lee, and lots of other fun stuff. And all those episodes are still up. They should be part of the same feed you use to get this podcast. So, if you're a fan of Spider-Man, check those out. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. But in this case, we're just talking about the first season where we talk about Spider-Man. All from Campfire Media. Thanks. I told you. I told you we'd be back. Yeah, I don't know if right back, but pretty quickly thereafter. We didn't take too long. Um, issue 72, Fantastic Four, where soars the Silver Surfer. Surfer looks yeah. great. What an insane character to look good, but he does. And so this is a little Silver Surfer arc that is decent, but still just a little bit off. And it's it also is, I think, setting starting leading into uh, the Silver Surfer solo comic. Um, that's fun. Not, um, maybe not directly, but uh, maybe pretty directly, though. We'll, we'll see when we get to the end of it. Uh, we got some fun shots of Ben pacing on page two. I like Ben just walking around nervously. Oh, the Watcher shows up. That's a good time. <laughs> yeah, the Watcher's always around. The Watcher just shows up at the FF, man. What a place to hang out. Yeah, this is the design that uh, Kirby sort of has kind of settled on for the Watcher. It's definitely the Joe Sinnott inked version of the watcher kind of a, a macho tough guy to say he still has like a toga robe yeah but he looks tough and like he could tussle with you a little bit uh and i feel like most people go back to the early kirby little child version that okay. i also sort of i think because it was the one i saw mostly in the late 80s it's the one i resonate with yeah this is more like uh the watcher's got a side job of being a bouncer at a bar or something like that like, he's, he's working muscle for somebody. Anyway, the, the FF's been broken up. There's just two members left, plus Crystal, the girlfriend, who's not allowed to fight. And the Watcher shows up and says, you guys got to watch out. The Silver Surfer's going to attack the Earth. And uh, Johnny's still wearing his civvies, but his uniform kind of peeking out. was worried. He's practically invincible. And then what happens? <laughs> and then we get some and, cool... And ben says, buckle your seatbelts, kiddies. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they show Reed and Sue just sort of on their on a train ride through Europe, I guess. Nope, through the California. California-bound Transcontinental Express. They're heading west. 
Uh, and then we see uh, Surfer just blowing stuff up, like tossing pyramids. He's destroying doing buildings. a ton of damage. I mean, this would make him a war criminal, I think. He's like just wrecking a bunch of buildings. and Yeah, there's no way he didn't just kill thousands of people, right? <laughs> I, I mean, unless he happened to select <clears throat> a pretty large area of a city that was evacuated already. I mean, look at even page nine, the middle panel, Will. Like, the entire city's on fire. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you come back from that public relations-wise, you know? Um, but uh, I'm sure he'll be a hero in a couple issues. But we have the FF fighting uh, the surfer, so uh, that's an excuse for a good Kirby battle. Yeah. Um, they fight for a few pages, and then the Watcher goes and takes Reed away from Sue to rejoin the FF. Get the man, he says to uh, somebody. Uh, and they get the man, and... Um, Hey, man, a Kirby fight ain't bad. I'm glancing through these pages. Uh, it's a good time. And then... The, and then um, hey, check out page 15, Will, where uh, yeah. Reed takes off his suit, goes into his costume, and starts fighting with his dress pants on. Now we're talking. <laughs> uh, then he switches into his costume. It's no good. Yeah, but not for a while. He's in dress pants for a couple pages. It's great. Just didn't have time to change completely. But yeah, so already Reed's decision that they both quit is sort of undone. The first threat that comes, Reed's back in. I guess he doesn't have a baby inside of him. He's right. But uh, I don't know. This is is kind of a bummer. Um, Somehow they drain Surfer of his power. Yeah, he's just less invincible, I guess. And that makes sense. And I think what was happening this year, we skimmed past it, but in my notes... I wrote uh, that he was kind of trying to get the Earth to unite against him. Uh, uh, sort of an end of Watchmen types uh, idea. Like, if the surfer's a threat, no one will keep fighting. Yeah. America and Russia, America and the Soviet Union can't fight if the surfer is a threat, which I guess is true. That is very end of Watchmen. I, I, I love Watchmen. Yeah, anyway, Watchmen, I think, is a good comic book, right? Um, I've heard it. I've, you know, I'm not interested. But um, uh, I'm excited for the new HBO series. Oh, all right. We have an email about that, Will. All right. We'll get to that in our email section. All right. So the <sighs> surfer, this is just a one-issue thing? He's just cool now? Well, he comes back very quickly. That This one doesn't lead into a solo series. I was wrong on that. But there's an, He comes back in two issues. Okay. Because first we have to go into issue 73, and this issue is sort of a waste. This is a continuation of a Daredevil story that I have not read, Daredevil 38. Okay. This is the Steve Ditko designed uh, Daredevil costume. Only kidding. <laughs> I know it's Everyone Wally Wood. Everyone knows that Will Hines designed it. Yeah, well, I designed it. No, it's a Wally Wood designed Daredevil costume. But this is sort of a guest star extravaganza, right? This is where, we're, like an episode of The Love Boat, where they just have, a, you know, Zsa Zsa Gabor and Charo. Yeah, I mean, Daredevil was a low-selling comic book. I mean, it's at issue 38, so they didn't give up on it. I think this was just another try to get people to read it. Okay. You read this story, like, to know how this started, you got to read Daredevil. Yeah. Um, and I, it's the first direct crossover that we've read in, in in either season one or two of our podcasts, like, where it literally is continues continuing the story. a different book. Yeah. Something that would really be what happened so much in the 80s when we were reading comics. You constantly had to buy issues of other stories if you wanted to get everything. Um, so I, I guess what happened in issue 38 was Doom and Daredevil changed bodies. And now the FF think Doom is still in Daredevil's body. Okay, so they got to beat the crap out of a blind guy. That's right. Uh, who is quite formidable and is uh, no pushover. And uh, Thor starts fighting just because he doesn't like being called a coward. It's the best way to get anybody to act in 60s Marvel comics is to say that they look scared. 
Yeah, and Spider-Man just sort of decides to help uh, Daredevil. This is like the really only real appearance of Spider-Man uh, in this whole run. I mean, he had like a one-page, one-panel cameo. Right? I love and how like, well Kirby draws Spider-Man. Like, he just, he looks great. He draws him good here. I feel like I've seen pinups of him doing Spider-Man where it doesn't look great. So I, I'm actually crediting Joe Sinnott with a lot of this. Yeah, maybe maybe Joe saved saved Kirby. Yeah, I think he sort of just polished him off. Or maybe now that it's the Romita era, that version of Spider-Man is easier one for Kirby to get it, wrap his head around. It's not as weird as the Ditko one. Yeah, he's just a little more heroic. Um, anyway, um, guess what, Kev? The FF win. Yeah, they fight for a while. And it's sort of like, is it three against three? Because Sue doesn't fight. So Spidey, Daredevil, and Thor versus Ben, Johnny, and Reed. Yeah, and then at the end, they all shake hands. They're like, whoops, we screwed up. A lot of the fights in this run are just sort of, they just sort of stop, and everyone's like, okay, we'll just stop. And it also ends with Sue finally getting back from California, where, like, Reed left her, I guess. Um, Hopefully she found a boyfriend out there who treats her right, and will soon leave Reed for him. Unfortunately, that's not what happens. Well, so now we enter into another Silver Surfer Galactus story. This is the return of Galactus. Uh, which is only like, I guess it's about two years since the last one. That's yeah. pretty decent restraint. But this comes out in May of 68, and that's when the uh, Namor the Submariner series, I believe, begins. Okay. In Humans, it wraps up in Thor, either this month or last month, and Namor starts right around now as well. And in three months, Silver Surfer's book will start. Uh, the splash page of this issue, the issue which is called When Calls Galactus, is pretty great. It's Surfer hanging out at Alicia's, and he's just like... <laughs> thinking about stuff, sitting on her yeah. couch. Yeah, and then uh, the thing kind of walks in just to sort of see this alien creature on his uh, girlfriend's, maybe on the edge of her bed, really racing. Yeah, that's some that's some uh, anti-comics code uh, stuff, I think, in a woman's yeah. bedroom. And then we also have some the Punisher. Oh, I thought we'd never see him again. Not, not the Punisher yeah. we know well, but the Punisher, the little robot slash creature that works for Galactus as kind of like a, a muscle. Right. I also thought we never saw him again, even though we reread these comics before we covered the Galactus ones. I remember seeing him show up and being like, well, we never see this guy again. Yep. And here he is again. Here he is. He's just very forgettable, even as a aspect of the Galactus story. He does look, he looks kind of like Darkseid, uh, the, the new gods uh, villain. I guess. My favorite thing about him is how short he is. Yeah, he's this huge threat, and then he's like three foot one. Uh, but he like punches like a hummingbird, right? I mean, this guy is rapid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We also have Johnny helping rebuild the Baxter building. Uh, just hunky, man. The muscles just keep on coming in late period look, FF. Look at Johnny in this uh, form-fitting white t-shirt on the top of page four, Will. Let's see. Ooh, baby. Yeah, I'm just telling you. This that's is a pinup boy. That's a Marlon Brando guy right there. And he's uh, his arm half in flame. That's fun. Yeah. I'm just saying, Johnny, I think... Even in the early issues, even though he was, I think, written as a handsome kid, had a, like, awkward phase. He's really grown into his features. Good for you, Johnny. This drawing. Um, Okay, so they fight the little Punisher creature, and then, ooh, Galactus shows up. Man, look at page 15, Kevin, the full-page shot of Galactus. Yeah, Uh, and this is the Galactus... This is the Galactus I think you and I know, right? The look. Yeah, he's settled in... There's no big G on his chest... The coloring seems right. He's red and blue. Um, yeah, this is classic Galactus. He's not wearing shorts when we eventually see his legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is how I've always pictured Galactus. I think this is the design that is what people bring back now. This it's, Galactus. It's it's everything good about Galactus. He's got the classic look, but he still refers to himself in the third person at all times, which I think is key. Anyway, Galactus is back because he wants a surfer again. He needs his herald. He can't find anywhere to eat. He was so sure of himself, and he's like, 
I'm just leaving you on Earth. And now he's back going, I screwed up, dude. I cannot find a place to eat. I need you back. It's the sweetest love story in Fantastic Four comics, Galactus and the Silver Surfer. Surfer and Galactus do just get uh, separated and connected over and over again throughout Marvel Comics. I guess that's not that different from any other status quo, but... Uh, It's a a big will you, won't you in my mind. Will they, won't they... Uh, eat planets together. It's just there's constantly things where Silver Surfer's like, I guess I'll be your herald so I can help protect sentient planets, even though it's giving up my entire life for you. And then at some point he'll be separated so they can do a solo book about him, and it's just back and forth, back and forth. Cool shot of Johnny deflaming on page 19. Yeah. This also is the issue, and I don't know exactly what page it happens, is when Reed starts lying to Sue a lot. Uh-oh. This is another great step forward in their relationship. He lies to her about what's going on and, like, basically gaslights her that everything is okay, that Galactus is not on the planet, so that she is safe. That's lame. Uh, I hope that the boyfriend that I'm pretending she has treats her better. Uh, but anyway, I think it ends with like, Galactus going, I'm going to destroy the Earth unless you give me the surfer. It's a pretty good cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, I like the stakes of world being destroyed. Oh, I was wrong. Galactus is still in shorts. Yeah, Kirby's not going to go totally normal. When you get to page four of the next issue, uh, there's some skin. Let me see. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, Galactus is always just back from the gym. Like, you can't stay, like, 50 feet high unless you're working your height, you know? He's, like, doing squats and stretches to keep himself extra large. Oh, man, you got to give Galactus pants. Oh, that just looks... His legs are hairless. There's something just... I don't know. It's just not a good look for him. Not with his armored top half. It, it definitely undermines him. Like, he can threaten about eating planets all he wants. If he's if he's sporting shorts, he, he looks a little weak. I mean, or, you know, put him in a tank top, take off the helmet, put on a baseball cap. I'll accept it. You know, Go, a yeah, casual look. You can't be halfway. I'd love to see casual Galactus. Uh, anyway, one page before that, on page three, is a great shot of a thing waving his fists <laughs> angrily at the skies at Galactus. Yep. Saying, I ain't scared of a dozen Galactuses. Which is, um, he should be. He should, and he, he for sure is. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Galactus is back and threatening to destroy the world. And uh, this is, you know, he's, me- what is he, messing with the tides here? He's definitely, uh, he covers them in frost at one point. Uh, he knocks the Fantastic Three out. Yeah, and then he attacks them with uh, clones of themselves. Yeah, they rise out of the ocean. I mean, that's a pretty good trick. So yeah. we got the FF versus the FF. Oh, they're, and their their clone version is sort of like low res Fantastic Four. Yeah, they've got sort of that uh, Kirby shading on their face, which I love. And uh, they also fight uh, vicious. Like the evil Reed has like a spiked fist. Yeah, they fight dirty. Um, I love it. I love evil Fantastic Four. Meanwhile, the Silver Surfer is hiding in the microverse. That's right. Uh, he's hiding from Galactus. He doesn't want to help him eat planets, so he's he shrunk himself down, right? And he's hiding in yeah. the microverse. And, and Crystal is staying with Sue, trying to hide the fact that anything is going wrong. Yeah, keep her totally out of the story. Good job, Crystal. Uh, what's happening outside? Everything seems so muffled through the window, and Crystal says with a panicked face, it's nothing, Sue, just some sort of protest demonstration. Try to get some sleep. So they know they need the surfer, and so they're going to go into the microverse. We end the issue with them deciding to go into the microverse to find him. Yeah, on page 19, Reed thinks really hard to communicate with Galactus, and it's really funny, just to basically say, like, hey, give us a minute to find this guy. (laughs) Yeah, so it's basically the equivalent of putting on a megaphone and being like, we'll get your helicopter to the bank robbers. (laughs) Right, right. I didn't ask for a helicopter. (laughs) I love that movie. It's the uh, wrong guy, right? Yeah, the wrong guy. Yeah, the uh, the wrong guy. The Dave Foley feature film that never got released. Not in in America. America, It's uh, so funny. Uh, Look it up, everybody. Yeah, if you're looking for a Dave Foley news radio era Dave Foley movie, there's only one that I know of. Yep. 
Uh, so the next issue, uh, Stranded in Subatomica, issue 76, the FF are, or the Fantastic Three are descending into the microverse to get the surfer. Meanwhile, Sue and Crystal are hanging out shopping? I, I think they're visiting the doctor. It just looks like such a fancy place that they must be shopping, but the doctor just lives in luxury. Doctors in the 60s had well-appointed offices with plenty of antiques. The yeah, surfer Crystal's is really- still lying. Everyone's lying to Sue. The entire city, I guess, is gaslighting her that Galactus didn't just threaten the planet. Pre-internet, you know, she can't check Twitter and see what's going on. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so hard to gaslight people now. Uh, it's just not a good age for gaslighting. Um, the surfer's really happy in the microverse because to him it's similar to soaring around the universe, so it's kind of like he has his space powers back. Oh yeah, that's a smart move by him. I yep. also love the Fantastic Four entering the microverse through a micro uh, through a microscope slide. That's page four. Yep. Yeah, they. Uh, but, you shrink down anywhere and you get to the microverse. That's what's weird. Yeah. I think some later writers have justified that some through some sort of comic book science, and I accept whatever that explanation is. I'm sure they're right. So you can and, shrink yeah, down anywhere of, on Earth, and you end up in the same place in the microverse. And yeah, so they the, find Silver Surfer. Yeah. And the shot of him surfing around happy is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, even though he did just commit mass murder a couple issues ago or presumably. I mean, that was issues ago. I'm okay with him now. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I'm over it. Uh, Who's purple dude in the green helmet on page 16 and 15? Who's this guy? Uh, I think it's Psycho Man. Okay, so Psycho Man's involved? It's somebody the Psycho Man sends out. A a, um, flunky of Psycho Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Psycho Man because he's into the psyche, not because he's amoral. Psycho Man deserves him, dubs that character, my indestructible one, which is sort of a dull name pretty grand. Uh, yeah, so the Fantastic Four kind of go into the microverse, and what they need to do is they need to convince the surfer to come back to Galactus, and mostly they just attack him. I don't think they ever even try to talk to him, do they? No, they just go right at him. Uh, their first move is to shoot him with a beam out of their ship, yeah. uh, and then they like are shooting flames at him. Right, like They never try to talk to him. But they, but they finally do talk to him on the last page, and he's instantly convinced. Yeah, if they talked to him immediately, they would have no need. This would have been a dull comic, I guess. Yeah, but a half a page of conversation, he agrees to go back. Yeah. But now Psycho Man is in the mix? Well, so what happens is the next issue, which we'll talk about now, I guess, uh, the surfer goes to deal with Galactus, and the FF stay in the microverse to deal with Psycho Man. So next issue, 77, Shall Earth Endure? The cover looks way better than the issue, I think. Yeah, the cover's great. A lot is going on. Sue in bed. Oh, being pregnant. What a story. But she looks like sick and in trouble. Like if that yeah. were true, like uh, that, that, that could be kind of an interesting subplot. Instead, she's just being kept out of the act. Um, so the Fantastic Three have uh, convinced the surfer. There's a cool looking Kirby machine in the splash page that they use to go back. No, Psycho Man sends that to get, steal the FF to come to him. Okay. My bad. So Psycho Man has lured the fan, has trapped the Fantastic Three. That's right. Uh, the, meanwhile, the Surfer goes back to talk to Sue, and I believe he just give he roofies her basically on page six with his yes. cosmic powers. With he 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 mind roofies her. Yeah, he knocks her out so that she isn't stressed. Yeah. I mean, she's basically been drugged. This is awful. Um, I was kind of hoping that, you know, Sue puts her arms around the surfer at one point to plead with him. And I was kind of hoping she was making a play. <laughs> I mean, maybe he, maybe Reed paid him off to, like, change her mind to love him no matter how awful he is. Uh, I'm rooting for Sue to leave Reed. So, uh, but I got, I got bad news for you. They're still together, Will. I, I, I'm, I'm going to hold that hope. Uh, so we have FF versus Psycho Man. F3 versus Psycho Man. That's right. And they and, fight a lot. Uh, 
And then they surfer... fight a lot. It's another weird story where they fight a lot, and we'll go back to the surfer stuff later. But like, if you look at the last page of this issue, will they fight for a while? Yeah. Reed is basically like, "Hey, Galactus might destroy the Earth. That happens. The microverse is gone too." Psycho Man goes, "Oh yeah, I guess that's true. You guys should get out of here." And that's the end of their fight. Yeah, he just two issues in a row. They just talked their way out of a fight. And what's also funny is that the Earth is not in danger anymore because in the subplot. The surfer goes back to talk to Galactus. Galactus, uh, the surfer found a planet for Galactus to eat or something for Galactus to eat. On page 18, here's enough energy to sustain your incomprehensible hunger. Uh, And then he goes, I ask that you set me free, free to roam the skyways of space, free of my bondage to the planet Earth. And Galactus says, no, your request is denied. (laughs) Yes. Uh, He is once again trapped on Earth. Yeah, I must... Ever know where you shall be found. Though I may not uh, return for countless millenniums, all must be as it now is. Such is the will of Galactus! And he is trapped. Um, and then uh, there's, a little, there's a little caption box that says, uh, And you can do no less than read the Silver Surfer's own adventures in his own mag. Get it today. Salesman st- Um. All right, so they're officially plugging the other issue. Yeah, and that, from what I've read recently is a, one of the many things that really upset Kirby is that he was not involved in that solo book. That he's like, this is my character. I'm not even involved in that book. I have intense daydreams of getting Jack Kirby to stay with Marvel Comics, mostly through giving him ownership of his characters or you know, partial um, ownership. Well, the, today's emails are going to really serve your idle thoughts really well. Well, why don't we... I think we should... Uh, we, we've gotten through our 10 issues. I think we should move on to our email. Great. And then we'll come back next... A week or, or whenever we yeah. uh, do more, and we'll cover like another 10. Yep. We'll come back to issue 78 next episode. Great. So I got some emails, Will. Um, Let's do it. First one uh, is from Caleb. Okay. And he asks, uh, do you have any strong takes on the new HBO Watchmen show that's coming out in a few weeks? Ooh. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it yet. It hasn't come out yet, but I'm extremely excited for it. I, I can tell from the preview that it is not adapting the comic book. It's like doing other adventures in that world. Which yeah, I, it's like which a I, sequel, right? Yeah, which I'm in favor of. I think that's the way to do it because I think the story is tough to adapt, and um, but the characters are great. So I, I think this is a – I'm excited to see what they do with it. I do think the story is tough to adapt. I guess it would be also tough to adapt and then also follow it. Yeah. It's just it's It does sort of feel like I wish they were just doing an original story rather than mining this uh, Watchmen story for new angles. When that story is so complete done in one. Yeah, but the characters in the world are really singular and unique, and it's a weird blend of yeah. politics and cynicism. And uh, I don't know. I think it could be. You know, I'm, I'm watching Amazon's The Boys. Yeah, I just started watching that too, and I'm enjoying it a lot. And I wonder if this is going to be like a smart. I'm, I have no complaints about The Boys, but I wonder if this is going to be a smarter, sort of more subtle HBO version of that kind of cynical superhero world. So I don't know. I'm excited. I'm about. about- Halfway through the boys, I'm like on episode four or whatever, and it's pretty good. Uh, I skipped the comic when it came out because it just looked so cynical and yeah. uh, trying to be tough, trying to be scary t- it's like, and oh, tough. Superheroes are bad people. Huh? Yeah. And what a what a great take. They have sex and stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't want to read that. So then, but all my friends were like, you got to watch this show. So I watched the first few episodes. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. There's a yeah. couple moments that I don't care about. I don't care for, but. It's a pretty good show. And then I read the first issue of The Boys, the comic. Yeah. Man, did I hate it. Oh, man, did I hate that issue. I've heard from people that the that the TV series is sort of more pleasing than the comic or more accessible or something. The comic or, or is even immediately just better. 
like it seems like it's just like, oh, look at these people have ass sex. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess I don't care about this comic at all. Yeah. And the TV show's not like that, at least the four episodes I've seen. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. As far as Watchmen, I'm also sort of uh, tainted by the DC Comics has recently done a bunch of Watchmen comics. Okay. I haven't read those. They did like a before Watchmen series. I, rem- I remember when that came out. I didn't read and it. And they were, they were fine. They were done by good uh, creators, but it just felt so like desperate. Yeah. And now they're doing a post-Watchmen story, like a Watchmen DC crossover story. Yeah. Which is genuinely really good, but it still makes me like a little sick in yeah. a way. I mean, I, Alan Moore made this deal with, you know, uh, more eyes on it than uh, Kirby or Ditko or, or original creators did. Like, he knew what he was getting into. Yeah. He was misled, he claims, like... The deal was sort of like, after this comic comes out, after a few years, the rights revert to me. Yes. But they just kept reprinting it. Yeah, but something like when it goes out of print, which almost any comic does at some point. Yeah. But Watchmen was so popular, it never went out of print. And maybe even they encouraged that so they didn't have to give the rights back. Yeah, and that's all. So, I don't I, That's all. I mean, Alan Moore's hard to get along with, it seems like, for everybody. Um, but it is one of those comics where Alan Moore's point about it is like, why is this still being held up? As this? Shouldn't someone have outdone this by now? Right. He was doing it an in-the-moment commentary on where superhero stories were. So why is that a classic when it's sort of a reaction to its time? Yeah. Because uh, you're because you're good, Alan Moore. That's why. Because you tell good yeah. stories. Yeah. So uh, I'm anxious about the show. Uh, this writer, uh, Caleb, also talks about how he likes Damon uh, Lind- Lindelof. Yeah. I believe his name. Yeah. Um, and I've never seen The Leftovers. I've heard great things about it, but I really did not like Lost. So... Um, um, I, the leftovers have been raved about me by people whose taste I trust. I haven't gotten around to watching it, but I feel optimistic yeah. about watching it. I'm ex- I'm going to watch it and I'm excited about it. I might not watch it until I'll be like the boys where I'll wait till the season's over and see what people say. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Caleb also asked this question and I guess Caleb just has a beeline to your current now. He must have time traveled and heard this episode. Yeah. And then gone back and asked these questions because his other question for you is mm. if things between Kirby and Lee had not gone south the way they did, do you think that Kirby would have continued to create his future new characters for Marvel? Uh, E.g., do you think the fourth world sagas would have taken place in the Marvel universe? Yes, I do. I think absolutely that he had this. He was starting to get together ideas for that and that if financially and respect wise things had worked out that he would have done it at Marvel. Yeah, it probably would have come out a little different, right? Because the fourth world sort of grew out of him doing these sort of side comics like Jimmy Olsen and things like that, Newsboy Legion and stuff like that. Uh, So it probably just by the nature of coming out of the Marvel Universe would have been a little different. But those ideas, uh, that's all he wanted to do at that point. Yeah, he wanted to create a modern mythology. And I don't think that's crazy for somebody in his position of success to want to do so uh yeah he would have done it at marvel i think it would have been better too and you got to think that if dark side was in marvel there's no thanos yes he he would be the have the thanos role yeah because thanos would sort of feel like uh especially next to dark side feels like uh, especially early thanos would have just felt like another dark side yeah and so- um i really wish that kirby and lee could have gotten along to where like kirby would listen to lee because <laughs> although i think kirby didn't need lee I think he did do better when he was restrained by Lee's, some of Lee's wishes. Yeah, you basically needed to, like, give Kirby whatever he wanted 
but also like have Kirby respect Lee. That'd be the ideal situation for us, the audience. Yeah. Because then Kirby could say, like, he wouldn't be mad. Nothing would be taken from him. He, he's like, I don't want you doing a surf, Silver Surfer solo book, even if it'll sell, uh, unless I'm doing it. And they'd be like, okay, whatever you want, Kirby. Yes, sir, Mr. Kirby. But if you do do this book, can you write this character a little better? Almost like you have to hear what Lee thinks, but you don't have to do what he says. And then just hope that Lee's ideas are good enough that it influence. That's the way That's the way it needs to happen. That's my daydream version. Uh, thank you, Caleb, for the emails. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, our pal Shem uh, emailed us well. Oh, Shem Pennant. That's right. Uh, and he was listening to the Blank Check Patreon podcast. Okay. I'm not a Patreon supporter, so I have not heard this. Okay. Uh, with guest John Hodgman, and they were t- discussing the Fantastic Four. And in that discussion, they suggested Reed Richards played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and he wants to know what we think. Hmm, that's, uh, that is interesting. Um, you know, switching the gender solves a lot of sexism of the FF legacy. She's got the brains and the kind of leadership presence to be Reed Richards. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, I think it'd be a tough sell for producers. Yeah, I also am not sure... And this is such a nitpicky thing. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is so wonderful, but she's almost too interesting, or too dynamic to be Reed Richards. Is that yeah, weird? To I know say? this is str- Yeah, I know. She's. I almost want her as a villain, just because villains tend to be more nuanced and fun. Oh, she'd be a great Doctor Doom or something. Yeah, I, I can totally understand the appeal of making her Reed Richards, but I selfishly would like her better as a really fun villain. Yeah, I like her as Doctor Doom. I could almost see like someone like Charlize Theron being a better Reed. Yeah. Yeah, you need to be a, a little staid almost, like a little yeah. bit more kind of reliably fixed. There needs to be an intensity to you that it's almost like that's sort of trapped. In, like, I mean, I, I guess Kirby uh, Reed is what I'm thinking of now more than current Reed, but like sort of like a, a contained intensity of like, oh, this this there's so much going on in here and it's all important. Where yeah. I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge kind of gives, there's a lot going on in here and it's all fun. Yeah, part, I mean, part of what I love about Fleabag is the character's neuroses and sort of recklessness and i i and phoebe plays that energy really well so i reads a little too contained and reliable for that and i guess you could just is... incorporate it and have a nervous reckless read but now now we have a totally different character if that's what you're doing even when she's the voice of the uh, droid in the han solo movie have you seen that well yes uh she's delightful in that too but that's another character that's sort of like fun and a little like a little bit of a stinker yeah like almost yeah like sort of a, a fly in the ointment yeah phoebe waller maybe is almost a better johnny yeah than, so uh, she doesn't have to be the leader she can just be mixing it up in the in the book um i like the way they're thinking though i mean that definitely fixes a lot of the problem uh, somebody and i think we i mentioned this on an earlier podcast but someone had emailed in at one point and suggested john cho to us and that still is my favorite casting for reed that's yeah that's great uh, john he, cho just he has that intensity he has that he looks like a genius yeah. And I'd be like, I'd buy him as a Reed Richards right, um, off the, right off the bat personally. Yeah, charismatic, looks like a leader. Square jawed even. Yeah, he's got a Kirby, he's got kind of a Kirby face. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, I, that that's more in line with the way the character's energy is in the 60s book. I like getting Phoebe in there though. Adding Phoebe to a story makes it, makes it interesting. Cast with Phoebe in um, most things is what I say. Yeah. She's delightful. Now, we have an email from Tony. Hello, Tony. And, uh, I'm going to spoil this and just say my answer is no okay 
Wow. Uh, I want you guys to do an extra podcast where you, where you review the three recent FF movies and discuss what each got right and what each got wrong or failed completely. Yeah. Talking about movies is fun, and I like that people are into that, but I just find them so uh, not interesting. I don't know if I could muster a discussion. Yeah, I just don't want to rewatch those movies. Yeah. You, and I don't you know, know them well enough. They're not like the Spider-Man movies that I've all seen two or three times where I can discuss them. Yeah. I've even seen Amazing Spider-Man, which is terrible, twice. So it's like, it's easy to discuss those. I don't think I've seen any FF movie more than once. Amazing Spider-Man 2, you hard to get through the first time. Did you, you said it, you've seen it twice. Do you mean Amazing Spider-Man 2? Yeah, yeah. I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2 twice, which is like the worst Spider-Man movie. Yeah, yeah. But I even watched it again because I love Spider-Man so much. But these Fantastic Four movies, I barely got... I think I watched the most recent one on the airplane, and I was like, that's enough. That's one of the worst superhero movies I've seen. That is still a real movie. I'm not counting the Roger Corman one as a real movie. Uh, yeah, I just, for, I just, could, I couldn't bear to rewatch them. So unfortunately, we're never going to give that podcast to the world. Yeah, I think that's for somebody else to do. As a side note, have you heard that the Spider-Man Sony deal has sort of they've made up? Yeah, I did. I, I saw that. You were right. Uh, I, I called it. You called uh, it. I lost faith in myself a little bit because after I said like they'll make up, this is gonna, this is just, it's inevitable that they get back together. Like a week later, Sony came out and said like it's not happening, and I was like, it sounded so definitive. I was like, oh, I guess I was wrong. Yeah. And then two weeks went by and they're like, it is happening. I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> nice. Anyway, moving on. Moving uh, we on. We got an email from Joe Dunham. He compliments us on our podcast a lot. Thank you, Joe. In the podcast, you talk about how the quality begins to dip around the time the Inhumans get out of their dome somewhere in the 50s. Mm-hmm. I can see that, but I do think the book continues to hold up tremendously well, at least until about the time Franklin is born. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a... I mean, he's he's right. You know, we're, we're being a little bit we're simplifying a little bit. Uh, there's certainly I mean, I love the doom at, with the power cosmic story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I it, think there, we, it, I it's think never we, totally bad because Jack Kirby's drawing. it. And I think we downplayed maybe I at least downplayed the arcs immediately following uh, Galactus and Black Panther. But the ones we just went over today are, I think, a step below. Yeah. They're just too and, and the, spread out over too many issues, and they kind of end abruptly. They're just—they don't have. Yeah. Uh, they don't have the pizzazz that the, that the that the great arcs do. I don't know. I, I see what he's saying, but I, I guess I just don't agree with him. I, I I think there is a step down. He wants to talk. He also wants you to talk, Will, about how Stan's uh, contributions to the FF differs from his contributions to Spider-Man. Oh, that's interesting. Particularly dialogue, he's like he want, He basically says to minimize the influence of Kirby and Ditko, who obviously made the most difference between the two books. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. That's fun. Do yeah, you, I have thoughts on this. Do you, Kevin? I have some, but I think you're going to have way more. I'd rather just add on to what you have to say. Okay, so that's really interesting. He's, you know, Stan is better at Spider-Man, I think, uh, in general, just because his sense of humor and and sort of sunny optimism fits Peter Parker, really, you know, defined Peter Parker and suits the character really consistently. Uh, With FF, he's doing, he's trying hard to get four different personalities, but I think he's only good at like two of them. He's good at (laughs) Ben Grimm. Uh, He's excellent at Ben Grimm. He really captures Ben's, you know, friendliness and aw shucks and his everyman vibe so well. Yeah, particularly this this era of thing that we get into in the 20s or 30s when he finally settles into it. That's definitely right in Stan's wheelhouse. Just And the thing makes just genuinely funny jokes. I mean, people, you know, the the thing is described as a Jack Kirby analog, you know, cigar smoking tough guy who works really hard and doesn't complain. That's true. But the words Ben says are Stan. Like, 
Yeah. And, In that and sense, the thing is the best embodiment of their uh, partnership. And he's also good at Johnny, I think. I think, like, Johnny is a pretty good character. He's technically good at Reed. I just don't like the way he does Reed. So even though he's good at it, he just makes Reed a jerk. I, he's not good at Reed. He should, And he doesn't do anything for Sue. So he's, Yeah, he, he's bad at Sue. I think I weirdly think he's slightly better at Reed than Johnny because I think Johnny just uh, kind of— uh, It's too shallow. Yeah, I think it just stands a little too old to write a teenager— uh, like Johnny well. Maybe he's and only good at Ben. Think, I think Stan wasn't like a popular celebrity kid, and I don't think he gets it. But here, here's the difference in terms of what Stan added. There, There is something that Stan did for Fantastic Four that he didn't have to do for Spider-Man, which is he fills in logic gaps really well on Fantastic yes. Four. Like Kirby just goes so fast and just throws in so many fun ideas that sometimes stuff is like forgotten about or vanishes or moves quickly. And Stan is pretty diligent about at least putting a cursory explanation of what happened or making a joke about it or keeping stuff sort of on theme for the issue. And he rarely has to do that for Ditko. You know, toward the end, he kind of, when they were disagreeing, he would undo stuff that Ditko did. You know, most famously when he tried to describe the Master Planner Gang as a product of the Black Cat. He does a good job of that in FF. He keeps Kirby on the rails. And I think also Stan is funnier than Jack. And Ditko actually was quite funny. So Stan's sense of humor adds a lot more to FF. I don't know. Ben and Spidey, he writes them both really well. But he also fixes logic gaps in the FF. That's, That's my short answer. Yeah, I think also in the when you go into the comedy aspect, like his humor is more important probably in Fantastic Four. Weirdly, even though it's a bigger part of Spider-Man, just because I think it wasn't coming from anywhere else. Yeah, like the sort of the the the, the silly dialogue from Thing, and a little bit from uh, the other characters. It, it, there'd be no humor in the book if not for Stan. Yeah, where there would be humor in Spider-Man, it'd be a little more slapsticky. Yeah, it'd be more physical. Um, like, you know, there'd be more like pictures of, uh, Peter Parker handing, uh, Jonah his pants. Right, right, right. Uh, things like that happening yeah. for sure. Uh, you know, Jonah running, uh, mostly Jonah. Uh, I think like Ditko drew great stuff for Jonah running away from the vulture, uh, and Scorpion and stuff like that would all still be there. And there'd still be that sort of humor. Yeah. Uh, Stan, I think gave humor to Spider-Man that wouldn't have existed otherwise, because I think Ditko would have had a very more somber Spider-Man. Yeah, more severe guy. Um, yeah, I he weirdly probably Stan was more important to the Fantastic Four. It's hard, like if, yeah. Although if you this... left Kirby and Ditko alone, I think Spider-Man is probably still really good, where I think the early FF stuff is maybe just a little too all over. That's probably true. Um, although, I've, it's as you, I mean, you brought up Jonah. Like, I think that's a Stan device, right? Like... Yeah, I think Stan probably helped create that character, but I think Ditko got it once it was created. Yes, D- Ditko could sort of do it without Stan. Um, Just stuff I've read a lot of. Uh, I've been reading a lot of. Uh, I don't know how to describe this post Marvel Ditko stuff, but yeah. pre kind of uh, his own stuff. Yeah, and a lot of it feels like s- similar in tone, like the Spider Man. Like there's always like an office setting, and there's bosses, and there's. And there's, there's certain characters that sort of feel like they're peeled off of Spider-Man. But how much of that did he get from just working with Stan? And how much of that would have Ditko done anyway? I can't say. Yeah. Uh, good question. That's fun. 
Yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh, uh, I don't know if we answered it at all, and you we answered might not it a have answered bit. it. We maybe don't know, but I, I'm going to think about it for the rest of my life. Uh, two more things to discuss. Will yes, Brandon. Uh, 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 Brandon emailed us and said, since you guys clearly have power in Hollywood, right? Uh, a tremendous I'll let amount. You guys, yes, <clears throat> yeah. And he says, I'll let you guys pull a Stanley and take all the credit if you can make this movie possible. Okay, I want a movie centered around Peter Parker, not. His alter ego, uh, ego Spider-Man. I want more Steve Ditko like Peter, where he's more agitated at the fact that he has to be a hero. Not the Tom Holland, OG Willikers, I'm an adventure crap. There's too many Spider-People swinging around these days, and we need to remind people why the original is still the best. Uh, and he kind of goes on a little bit on that. Uh, some of this, I, I don't, yes, I personally don't need my Peter Parker to be as angry as a Ditko Peter Parker. Yeah. But asking me for a Peter Parker sans Spider-Man movie, I'm all in on that. <laughs> It wouldn't sell. No one would go see that. Yeah, movie. I think it's a bad idea. It's pretty. I mean, he, he's one of the few characters where you could do it. Like he's got enough going on where you could make a story. You know, high school dr- poor kid trying to make it in Queens. I mean, if I was doing it, I might still have him be Spider Man, but just like it's almost like you cut out that part of the movie. Miles Morales was set up well for this, with his uncle and his dad being like the two different sides raising him. Yeah. That's a compelling story without Spider-Man. It certainly is, yeah. And it's similar in tone to Peter Parker in terms of, like, kid just trying to make it. You and, and you- I used to talk about how if we ran Marvel Comics, our big event would be a year-long status quo where none of the characters had superpowers. Yeah, power outage. Yeah. Uh, we're 12 months. There's no superpowers in the Marvel Universe. We were like, the, you know... Daredevil just has to be a lawyer. <laughs> That's right. And certain uh, characters would still have powers, like Tony Stark would still be Iron Man because... It's all mechanical. Just That's right. But anything like supernatural or magical is gone. Yeah. Um, and which, you know, it was, it was an interesting thought experiment, at least. Like, which books can you easily imagine being interesting? Like, Daredevil could just be a detective book. Right. Um, uh, a Spider-Man blind detective. Might, like that's You that's could have just, a Spider-Man book be like Archie comics, uh, and then another one that's sort of like just him as a, a photographer for the bugle. <laughs> you could have sort of two versions of that. Captain America could theoretically still happen, just a soldier book. Yeah, though he doesn't have his powers probably, so he's probably like a veteran. He's a wimp again, yeah. He's a, he's a veteran who's uh, past his prime and dealing with those issues. I mean, it's the time for that too. <laughs> yeah, so... I don't know, but, it, was really, it was really fun to think, and I love our name, Power Outage. We talked about yeah. it a lot. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be quite fun. It would be quite fun. It would be the worst. We would lose our jobs running Marvel Comics so fast. Right, we would drive the company into the ground. It's like, hey, we put you guys in charge, and the first thing you did was take away all <laughs> of the powers. <laughs> and I think it started because we had the idea that the Fantastic Four, nothing would change. Yeah, because of Reed's gimmick, you know, the machines and the and their... It would be easiest to tell an FF story because you could still have like maybe other things show up, I guess. Yeah. Do the, and they do the villains still, still have powers? Uh, I think everyone lost. I don't remember. I think everyone lost powers. Okay. Well, you could still uh, have FF do some kind of science exploring without powers. But like Doom would still have everything but magic. Uh, and I think the idea of like them going into the negative zone, but just like not having flames and, and bricks and force fields. Yeah. Is interesting. Like we definitely had the idea of like Johnny still being... Diving into a battle first, uh, despite not being able to do anything. <laughs> right. Like, they just um, can't turn that off. So we'll do your movie, and we'll also take over Marvel Comics and ruin it. What do you think yeah. of that? There'll be no more Marvel Comics once we're through. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to share, Will, is we got a bad review Okay. On our uh, for our podcast. Okay. 
And uh, I don't always read all the reviews we get, but this one I happened to catch, and so I, wa- I want to read it to you. Okay. Because it made me laugh. Okay. Great. Here we go. So we got three stars. Pretty good for it's a bad not, review. That's not bad, yeah. <laughs> and here it is. Uh, at least 40% of this podcast is discussing and rehashing the format of the show and then <laughs> recapping both the prior formats and the then current format at the top of each episode. Otherwise, I like these dudes. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read that. I was like, I guess that's true. I also think it's important that we do that. But um, um, I think if you're following week to week, you need to. Un- I think people like to know what's coming up. It's a pretty fair criticism. Yeah, but I can't argue with it. It's like, if you don't like recapping formats, that's a portion of our show that you're not going to enjoy. Yeah. I think you need to spend 20, 25 minutes on that in every episode. I mean, thanks for the three stars. Well, thanks for not giving us two. A lot of people have given us five stars. I won't read those (laughs) reviews. Maybe Uh, damning our uh, reviews. Uh, you only the, only the one star reviewers are the one. The, somebody says you only hear from the one star reviewers. Somebody was talking about just people complaining about stuff. Like one star yeah. reviewers are the loudest. Yeah, I mean we've got a lot of great five star reviews, and we've got one that's clearly for the wrong podcast. Do you want me to read that one? <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so this is a, this is a review we got in July twenty first of twenty nineteen from Rick. Here's a good drinking game. Every time Jimmy Linguini says the following, take one shot. I don't know. I don't care. Do what you want. I used to work for CBS. Pump and dump. It doesn't matter to me. Shut up, Coy. You don't know what you're talking about. Pro level. Drink continuously from a pitcher of beer whenever the podcast grounds to a halt while the hosts look up something on their smartphones. I mean, that's not our. I don't know how to remove that review. Well, <laughs> also, I, th- but also three stars. Yeah. Which one of us is Jimmy Linguini? <laughs> I mean, maybe we need to start doing that podcast. Sounds fun. You know, I used to work for CBS. I don't know. Do, do what you want. Anyway, thank you for everyone who gave us actual five-star reviews. That's really nice. And anybody yeah, who emailed us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Yeah, or sees our Twitter, screwitcomics, or our Instagram, which is screwitcomics. Yeah, I'm way behind on the Instagram based on what we're covering now, but uh, I can't just skip issues. I got to keep posting. Yeah, you have, uh, you're like the mad thinker. You have OCD. Yeah, I don't want to skip an entire issue just to catch up. So uh, I'm trying to do less and less, but then I get, I'm flipping through these comics. I'm like, ooh, that panel I got to post. <laughs> So I'm a sucker. All right, Kevin, have we reached the end of an episode? I think we have. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you next episode, guys, when I think we're going to start with issue 78. Yeah, I know we will start with issue 78 if we cover, unless we do an interview. Right. Which I don't think we are. I don't think we are. Great. See you next week. See you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to Check out our new podcast, Barely Barely Composed, Composed, with us, Feminity Trio. Each week, we write a brand new comedic song with one of our funny friends. Listen and subscribe to Barely Composed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Campfire.